I wrote a book called The Diary of a Sugar Mom. And the book is very seductive, but it's also filled with humility in that it talks of a woman who's got a lot of children and she tries to make ends meet as she loses her job and she looks into the world of sugar daddy as a last resort because she felt she still looked good enough. She was older, yes, and she had heard that college girls did it primarily to trade or have monies paid for tuition. But this woman saw a special on TV with regard to this whole world that opened up in front of her and decided to take a chance herself instead of losing the house or not having the rent or not having food on the table while having several children. And she put up a profile on one of these sugar daddy sites, and lo and behold, there were men out there that were more attracted to women her age than younger girls. The story goes on to explain several of the incidents that she gets herself involved in, the monies earned, the dedication and devotion to her children, and I won't spoil the rest. If you want to pick it up, you can buy it right on my website, sugarmom.net. I'll even autograph it. (laughs) But the reason I bring it up is any new author that writes a book knows they're not going to become a millionaire from that book unless they get extremely lucky. You must have a business plan behind you or some other kind of thought process that's backing up the book. And mine was I wanted to start a group and have this group be mainly for women to show them that they can be empowered, that there's still much more to life after the age of 40 or 50. They still have so much more to do and to offer, not just their families, but the rest of the world and themselves. I called it Sugar Mom. I went as far as trademarking the name which can I tell you, everyone I know swore I could never get that done because of the similarities between Sugar Mama and Sugar Mom. In order to trademark something, you've got to send it through your attorney to the courts and have the judge look at it and offer approval. And the paragraph that I wrote to this judge included, there is no sexual connotation with the words Sugar Mom. This is to enlighten, engage, and make women more aware of their independence and what they can do with it and how they can grow. And man, oh man, was I surprised when I got the letter in the mail stating, Robin Marshall, you now own the trademark Sugar Mom. Picture me jumping up and down like a lunatic, waving the paper in my hands. (laughs) But here's the really odd part of the story. I've started a Sugar Mom Facebook page. I have a Twitter page, Instagram, website. In one week, I had 1,600 likes on the Facebook page. I'm doing well with the website. I've got products I'm selling. And the message is, women who want to live a life less ordinary, follow along. Let me show you how to do it. Step outside the box a little bit. Enjoy yourself. Let yourself be sexy. Do what you feel you need to do in order to become that person you used to be that you might have lost a ways down the road. The oddity is, yes, there are women that are following, but I notice there are more men that are following, and I've finally figured it out, I think. 
Women are attracted to this way of thinking, and yes, they secretly have wanted to do this for a long time. Come out of their shells. Be a little bit more seductive. Not just for them, but for the man or person they're involved with. But the men like it because they want to see their partner act a little bit more like I'm describing. So they're backing me. They're backing what I'm saying in order to have me push more towards their wife. I can just picture it in my head. Honey, there's this woman on the radio named Sugar Mom. Why don't we sit down and listen? (laughs) But they're right, and I don't blame them. And ladies, seriously, let your husband be involved. Let him know you're trying. Do the things I suggest you do if you want to keep that marriage hot and alive or at least bring it back to life. Little things like change up your hair, buy a wig, use a different colored lipstick. My God, use lipstick. Shave your legs. Don't wear panties when you go out with him and let him know it. Silly little things that really mean a lot to a man. That's why they want you to listen to me. And that's why they like me. In fact, I've even thought of doing a show just for them. Let me talk to them. Let me talk to your husband and tell him what he needs to do to get you to want to do the things that I'm talking about. Maybe he needs to lighten up a bit. Or maybe he needs to step outside the box and do something a little bit different, like possibly send you flowers for no reason. When was the last time that happened? Either way, I'm here to help you both. Whether it comes from you to him or him to you or me to both of you together. A sugar mom is a woman who wants to live a life less ordinary and figures out a way to make it happen. Let me ask you this. The way things are right now, the man you've been married to for 20, 25 years, the one who's holding on to the clicker for dear life when you walk into the living room or the den, that guy, can you imagine living that life for another 20, 25 years? I don't think so. Look at the divorce rate. Many people have smartened up and realized we're not in the June Cleaver era anymore. This is not a man-bashing session. This is a let's-figure-this-shit-out session. What did our moms used to say? Shit or get off the pot? That's what this is. So think about all the things that are in your bucket list that have been for probably the last 10 years that you've not done a thing with. That bucket is beyond full. It's brimming over. You cannot allow that to happen. And your husband knows it. He can see you're getting restless. That's why he's listening to me. The way to start taking one thing at a time out of your bucket list is to ask him to be involved. No kidding. Honey, would you mind unzipping the back of my dress? It seems to be stuck. At first, he'll act like, yeah, sure, no problem. But as he's unzipping and he realizes that you have nothing on underneath... That man would have to be crazy not to reach in just to make sure and feel the woman he's married to. That's just the beginning. Oh my God, I have so many little tricks that would have you spinning on your head. More importantly, have him spinning on his head.
<laughs> like, have you ever stripped for your husband? I mean, seriously, stripped seductively to a great piece of music. Do you have the nerve to do it? Do you have the desire to do it? It's so much fun. You don't even have to know how to dance. You just have to know how to take it off on the right beat and how to cover things up before he's allowed to see. It's called seduction. Remember that? I think I need to do a video of that just for women, like a class, how to strip for your husband. That would be a blast. I'm no Gypsy Rose Lee, but I certainly know how to put it on just to take it off. I don't want to be long-winded. Everything that comes out of my mouth, I want to be compelling enough for you to want to hear the next thing. But the bottom line is, you either want to make a change in your life, or you're very happy with your life right now, and more often than not, that means you're in denial. Unless you're one of the 2% that has the perfect marriage. And for the life of me, I don't get it. But if you have it, I'm envious. Really, truly. Make up your mind. First, do you want to stay in this marriage or relationship? Second, do you want to stay in it the way you are? Or do you want to fix it? Third, do you just want to get out Those are the things that are debatable. And you know, I neglected to say, even if you're single, it's time to reach into the bucket and start working on the list. Maybe call that boyfriend from high school. What could it hurt? I'm Robin Marshall, and I'm America's number one sugar mom. I think you've heard enough from me today. I mean, the information I just threw your way is probably up to the top of your head. Maybe I'll be a little more gentle on you next time. Maybe not. I think it all depends on your husband <laughs> and what he really wants. We're going to make him change. We're going to make him want you to change for the better. And then what's going to happen is you're going to change so much for the better that your eyes are going to open up like boing and you're going to realize there's a whole world out there, not just your husband. And I'm not saying that in a way that means you have to go sneaking around and cheating. I'm just saying you're going to rediscover your self-worth and you're going to watch his eyes and his attitude change towards you. As it should. How do I top this one? We could talk about bedroom suites. Yeah. Mmm. Good. Now hold on, because I want to talk to you about a relationship that I have witnessed. It's a two-part deal that's very unhealthy. And I want to know if you've ever lived through something like this. Coming right up. It's Robin Marshall. Sugar Mom. <laughs> It's Robin Marshall. Have you ever been in a relationship that goes from good to better to stable to, I don't know what to do, to help me, and then finally to, I got to get out of this? Here's a story that will make you feel like this is make-believe. Okay, here it goes. 
Once upon a time, there was this woman that met this man, and she had no idea what he did for a living, and they dated a couple of times, and as it turns out, the man just inherited a lot of money from somebody that just died, one of his relatives. The woman really had no interest in any of the money. She was just looking for a nice guy. But the man kept dangling things in front of her, like a new car. She would say, no, 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 no. And the next thing you know, he would be driving and she'd be looking around saying, where are we going? And they'd pull into a car lot and boom, there's a car for this woman. Imagine how stunned, how dazed and confused she was. One thing led to another, and of course he paid cash for that car, so she couldn't make him give it back. And she was with the entire staff at the car place, and they were clapping and saying congratulations, so she was a little bit out of her element and wound up driving home in a beautiful new car. Next, he wanted to see her more often than once or twice a week, and she felt, well, you know, he seems to be awfully nice as long as he doesn't get too pushy. And he was a little pushy by buying that car, but it really was a very nice gesture. So she said yes. She continued to date this man for a few months and started to pick up little hints about how righteous and demanding he was. Everything had to be his way. Even though he would make it look like he was doing something for her, he was really doing it for him because he loved seeing her get excited. Time went on. She lived in a nice, beautiful little apartment. He lived about 45 minutes away. And he said to her, I think it's time you live in a house. And now they hadn't even known each other a year yet. And she said to him, are you crazy? <laughs> like, really? I love my apartment. He said, just for the hell of it, let's just go look. It'll be fun. When was the last time you looked for houses? And, you know, as a lark, she went. They met up with a realtor, the same realtor she used to rent her apartment. Told the realtor, don't expect anything to come of this. This is just for fun. He might buy a home because he's got some money and he might be looking for real estate investment. They went, they looked, they saw a few houses. One really stuck in that woman's mind because it was so different. It had an atrium right in the middle of the house. Very cool looking. She pictured having lots of parties in that house. Then she got sick. Really sick. So sick that even if she wanted to leave this man, she couldn't because she had nobody else. He became very instrumental in her well-being. He found her doctors, he took her to whatever hospital she needed to go to. He became an imprint in her life. The problem was she wasn't in love with him. She didn't feel she ever could be. And yet he would still buy her groceries or, you know, pay for a telephone bill or anything that went wrong he would fix. And now he was helping her with medicine. So she decided to tell the truth. She told him, hey, you are a great guy, a little bit demanding, but, you know, you've done some really nice things for me, but I want you to know I am not in love with you, and I, I just don't see it going that way. We're not that couple, so you might be wanting to look for somebody else right now. 
he said to her, Hush, 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 everything in its time. Everything in its proper time. She sat back, weak from her illness, and said, Okay. More time went by, he buys her that house. Not only does he buy the house, he takes her shopping for furniture. She says, if we're going to buy furniture, let's go to someplace very inexpensive. I don't need a lot. I can bring the sofa from my other house, and I have my bed, and I have my kitchen, and everything. He says, nonsense. Let's just look. It'll be fun. Well, they went, and they looked, and she showed him things that she thought were attractive, as a designer would, because she happened to have a flair, you know, for designing homes. And they left the store. Before you knew it, a moving truck showed up to the house that the man bought for her, unloaded all of the furniture that she had said she liked. This is all while she's undergoing treatment for her illness and continuing to tell him, you've got to stop this. He would grab her bill her MasterCard bill when she wasn't looking and pay it. He was like a dream come true, except he wasn't for her. It became suffocating. Imagine, it's like a fairy tale come true to find a gentleman that is so in love with you that will do anything for you that is worth millions of dollars. What woman would not want that to happen? And he continued to ask her to marry him every week. And she kept saying, no, this isn't right. I don't want the things you're giving me. It's just not right. He took care of her kids. He bought them cars. <laughs> this woman was in so deep at that point because her children had been watching what had been happening to her life, not understanding how all of a sudden she had all of these things and they didn't. And she was trying to hide the fact that these things were going on because she didn't want it to keep going on. She wanted it to end. But instead, he bought them all cars and had them delivered to the city that these children lived in. She would think to herself often, how did I get myself into this? And how in the world can I get myself out? He raised her up into a lifestyle of living flying, first class, brand new house, a new house for her children in the other city, also furnished, paying her bills, all while she continued to say, this has to stop, this has to stop. He would not take no for an answer. The more he would continue to become that imprint that I explained, the more overbearing he became the more overpowering, the more he would wrap his arms around her from the back and, and she would cringe because she felt like she was someplace she wasn't supposed to be. She didn't like the way he kissed her. That was one of her favorite things. There were just so many strikes against him in her mind, but he kept pushing and pushing and buying and showing and saying, give everything time. Push came to shove. The woman became better, physically stronger. She really did try and make the most of this relationship when she was feeling better because she felt this is the time. 
if she can pull it off now, if she can let go of those ill feelings, those non-romantic, sterile feelings that she had towards him, this would be the time to do it because she's in good health. She couldn't do it. She kept telling him the whole time the truth. We need to stop. It's just not working. He wouldn't listen. Then, about a year went by. They saw each other on the weekends, enjoyed each other's company, you know, when they would go for dinner, but when they would come back to the house, there was more fighting than normal and... Because this woman is the type of woman that if she holds something inside, she blows. And that wasn't the kind of blow he wanted. But this is what happened. They finally reached a point where she got sick again. It was a reoccurrence of the first illness. He insisted that they go have a second opinion at another hospital in another state. She went. She felt he's probably right. But again, he was putting her in a lifestyle that only she could have if she was with him. She thought about this. How would I get to this other city if he wasn't in the picture? How could I afford to go back and forth to these hospitals like this? How would I be able to afford specialists that aren't under my insurance plan? These are the things that he was doing for her. Putting her in a position where she could not back out looking at what he did for her children, tuition payments, money given to her to pay her children. The last straw was sitting and talking, and they were just disagreeing on something. And he said something silly, defeating to himself. And her response to him was, why must you always shoot yourself in the foot? Why don't you just say what you mean and do it? When it comes to me, I think she felt like he was always dancing around the pink elephant in the room. And he looked at her and he said, you know, you're right. And he got up and he left. And she breathed a sigh of relief. She called him while he was driving home, left a voice message saying, I really believe we need a break. We've needed a break from each other for a long time. Let's take it. It's not just me. It's both of us. It'll do us good. Let's leave each other alone for a couple months. He wrote back. He texted her back to her voice message. I agree. Two, three weeks go by and the woman is feeling 100% herself again. No more crushing on the chest. No more anxiety. She's finally able to be what she wants to be. She understands what limitations there are in her financial life. She's got to get back to living the way she was. And she's not heard from this man at all. So she assumed that they had a mutual agreement that it was over, which I think anybody would think. It was just time. And she decided to go on a few dating sites and test the waters. She went on one site that was in between an arrangement finder kind of site and plenty of fish kind of site. It wasn't anything scandalous, in other words. And she used the same profile for every single site she was on. There were four of them, like plenty of fish and this arrangement site. And same pictures, same profile. And she began to meet people talking online went out for a couple of drinks, 
you know, nothing was really turning her on, and she started to think that maybe she just wasn't ready. Then came the emails. There must have been six or seven emails in a row from this man that she received that were not only threatening, but humiliating. Calling her a slut, a whore, he saw her on this website, you've been cheating on me the whole time, acting like a lunatic, when, first of all, the woman had not been with anybody else, and secondly, it was her prerogative to go on these sites if she wanted to, they weren't seeing each other. Not as far as she was concerned, she was done. Whether it was a break or not, she realized she was done. He continued to harass her. This man that took such good care of her, supposedly, for three years, began to harass her, began calling her children, began lying about her children to her, and threatened to call every one of her bosses, call all the hospitals and doctors that she's affiliated with, and tell them that she was involved with prostitution, (laughs) and he just went off the deep end. She wrote him back several times, trying to calm him down because she had seen this side of him before, but this was the epitome of the worst. And she said to him, I really wish that you would take some time and rethink the way you're acting. You can't be serious that you think I would be out having sex with people on a site within a two to three week period. It's just not my style to do so. Not quickly like that. Not now. He came back harder and stronger and threatened her with the IRS and what she's going to have to pay on everything he had bought for her. And he's hiring an attorney that's out for blood and he is going to take her down. So that woman sat there and thought, this is the man that I introduced to my children. This is the man that I brought home for Thanksgiving. Is this a sociopathic person? How could I have been so foolish? How could any person hate me so much? He continued with the threats. They became brutal. She finally wrote to him after keeping her cool the whole time and said, This will be the last of our communications. Please stop. I have enough. And what she meant by that was she was thinking about going to the police or calling an attorney to get some advice on how to walk away from this unharmed, keep her children safe, her job secure, after all the threats that he had thrown in her face, and she didn't hear from him for another day. She called a detective, and the detective said, if you did ask him to stop, and he didn't, then you call us back. Call 911 and have somebody come out and take a report because that is after the fact of what he's written. She understood. The next day, around 4 or 5 o'clock, came a slew of disgusting texts that he had blind copied her on that were sent to her daughter. Sexual comments about the woman made to the woman's daughter. The daughter's boyfriend works for him. What kind of position could he have been putting this poor kid in? That was it. She called the police. They came out. They took a report. They looked at all the emails she had printed out. They looked at the texts, and they said he is absolutely manic. 
Do you have an alarm system in this house? Do you have a gun in your house? She didn't know what to say. She wasn't a Southerner. She didn't know if it was legal or not legal to have a gun in the house. If somebody walks in your house, somebody that doesn't belong here, you have the right to shoot. When in doubt, you shoot. That's how seriously they took those emails. And she said, okay, knowing she probably could never do something like that. But at least it justified how she'd felt. She never heard from him again, but she did get a call the following day from a detective. A detective had gone through the report and wanted her version of what had gone wrong and what had happened. And she very logically explained the whole thing, told the complete truth. And he said, well, I'm going to call him next and let him know that we are aware of what's going on. And the one thing that went through her mind the most was her daughter's boyfriend that works for him. Very concerning as to what would happen to that young man. Well, she hung up the phone and she texted her soon-to-be son-in-law. And she said to him, stay away from him as, as much as you can today because he's going to be getting a phone call from a detective and he's going to fly off the handle. This just reminded me so much of that movie I saw years ago called War of the Roses. Now I know that she sits and she waits. She feels threatened. She feels frightened. She's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like as if the first shoe wasn't bad enough. I feel for her. I wish there was something I could do to make all of this go away. I wish she had never taken the first dime. But I guess the life lesson here is... You can't force somebody to fall in love with somebody else. And there's nothing worse than being the one that's in love with somebody that's not in love with them back. It's understood what kind of pain that can bring. But you can't squeeze somebody that tightly either. And she also told me that every single thing he bought her was itemized in a book to the penny. And he would constantly tell her, do you know I've spent this much on you? And the next fight it would be, do you know I'm up to spending this much on you? It was the most controlling relationship she had ever been in. And now she's free. Maybe. Time will tell. That is the story. And I'm sure there's more to come. I'll keep you up to date. But the next time somebody offers to buy you a car, <laughs> I think she would tell you, don't take it. <laughs> no kidding. And she said no, but hey, we all get caught up in nonsense at some point in our lives, and I really do feel badly for both parties. On to happier subjects. The next podcast I have coming out is going to be on sexual fetishes. <laughs> Talk about a lighter note. That should give you something to look forward to. Thanks for listening so intently and learning a little bit of a life lesson from somebody else's mistake. I'm Robin Marshall. Find me at sugarmom.net or right here on iTunes or any other podcast platform. Have a great day and thanks for listening. <laughs>
A Westwood One podcast production.